0: The code sets up high standards of performance for motion picture producers. It states the considerations which good taste and community value make necessary in this universal form of entertainment. So that recording that we just listened to was a 1930 recording of Will Hayes talking about the motion picture production code, or the Hayes Code, which he helped create. The Motion Picture Production Code was a set of rules that American films had to follow in order to be played in theaters, and they were in effect from the 1930s to kind of the late 1960s. And one of the rules of the Motion Picture Production Code was no open depictions of queerness, or I think it was called quote-unquote sex perversion um, in the original code. So the Hayes Code has had a pretty long-lasting impact on American film and how it's received. A lot of older films made during this time period relied on a set of visual, vocal, and narrative cues to signal queerness without explicitly stating it, and this is usually called queer coding, and queer coding didn't really go away with the end of the Hays Code. The use of these visual, vocal, and narrative cues to signal that a character is gay or queer in some way is still something that a lot of filmmakers rely on and that audiences have been trained to pick up on consciously or not. My name is Allie, and this project, podcast... (laughs) Whatever. Um, Queer Coded started as my alternative thesis thing for grad school, and now I'm continuing it. Each section of the podcast focuses on LGBTQ plus presence, or a lot of the time, lack thereof, in two films from one genre. So this is part two of the teen sex comedy, and on the last episode, we talked about kind of the teen sex comedy genre as a whole and we use Superbad as like a prime example of what an old school teen sex comedy looks like. So in this episode we are going to be talking about the 2018 film Blockers. So lately there's been a little bit of an increase in like big studio supported teen comedies featuring gay leads. So the high school rom-com which is classified usually as like quote unquote girl teen film, it's a traditionally Feminine genre that's been kind of revamped with gay male leads like Love Simon in 2018 or Alex Strange Love, which also came out in 2018, um, and then the teen sex comedy, which is a traditionally more like masculine genre that has gotten more lesbian representation recently. And the most popular examples of this are probably the 2019 film Booksmart and the 2018 film Blockers. So I'm bringing up the kind of like gendered nature of the teen sex comedy, especially when it's like put in contrast with the high school rom-com, because part of talking about lesbian women in teen sex comedies involves just talking about women in teen sex comedies and also in comedies in general. Traditionally, a lot of popular films reserve more comedic roles for men, especially if there's like physical comedy or vulgar comedy. So in this episode, yes, we talk about gay stuff, but we also talk a little bit more broadly about the role of gender within the teen sex comedy genre, because I think that's super relevant. Oh, also in older episodes, when I've broken an episode into two parts, I've recorded multiple introductions with the co-host so that each part has like its own intro. Um, I forgot to do that this time, and then I just didn't really feel like fixing it. So just know that like the man voice in this episode is Austin. (laughs) Austin, the same person as last time. Um, yeah, he's still here. Okay.
1: You know your daughter's in this stupid sex pack too. Yeah, and she's not gonna do anything about it, okay? Oh, like you would know what your daughter's gonna do. Okay, first of all, ouch. Second of all, I know nothing's gonna happen with Sam because because she's gay. Really? Did she come out to you? No, of course not. She barely speaks to me. Then how do you know? Because, bro, I'm her dad. And there's just some things you know. Chad is nothing. He's like a beard. Or whatever a lesbian beard is. A merkin? I don't know. The point is, I guarantee you they don't even kiss, okay? I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about you two dicks fucking up her night.
0: Okay, so a quick summary of Blockers. So Blockers came out in 2018 and it was directed by Kay Cannon and this was the first film that she had ever directed. So the movie is set in, I want to say Chicago, maybe Chicago. Um, And it has like six lead characters, which is a lot for one movie. So there are three parent-daughter pairings. So Leslie Mann, John Cena, and Ike Barinholtz play the parents and Catherine Newton, Gideon Adlin, and Geraldine Viswanathan play the daughters. And the film kind of centers around Leslie Mann's character, who's a single mom, and her daughter, played by Catherine Newton, but each of the other, or both of the other two pairings get their own little, like, mini conflicts. So, like in Superbad, this movie happens mostly all in one night, It's prom night, and the three girls, the daughters, they make a sex pact, and they decide to all three lose their virginity that night. And the parents find out about the sex pact, kind of on accident, and then the parents spend the night trying to stop the daughters from having sex, only to realize at the end that that's, like, really fucked up, and that they need to let their daughters make their own decisions and live their own lives. And each parent-child pairing has its own, like, mini conflict within the story, So, the Leslie Mann-Katherine Newton mother-daughter conflict is, so Leslie Mann plays a single mom whose entire life just revolves around her daughter. So, the daughter wants to have sex with her high school boyfriend on prom night, and she wants to go to, I think, like, Stanford or something? She wants to go to some school in California... And it's the same school the boyfriend's going to, and the mom character is scared to let the daughter character make her own decisions because she doesn't want her to, like, follow a boy or, like, make the wrong decisions or whatever. So that's kind of their conflict. So John Cena plays, like, an overprotective dad who's worried about his daughter having sex for the first time on prom night. The daughter is played by Geraldine Biswinathan, and she's an athlete. So she's, like, very confident and outgoing. She kind of, like, decides to join this sex pact um, just because, like, you know, (laughs) why not? And because she's very, like, sure of herself and everything. And she's also biracial and Asian-American. In the film, her mom is played by the Asian-American actress, Sarah Yu Rao. And this is a pretty big departure from the usual all-white casting of most teen sex comedies. Um, The third like parent-child pairing is Ike Barinholtz and Gideon Adlin so Ike Barinholtz plays Adlin's dad who in the film has cheated on her mom and gotten divorced and kind of not really like shown up in his daughter's life very much since then so they have this like really strained relationship and when the movie starts the dad character is like kind of trying to start being a better dad and being there more but it's awkward because the daughter has a hard time with that because like he's never really been there for her before so the daughter, I think her name is Sam, maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway, she's a lesbian, but she's, like, not out or anything, and she's a little bit, like, unsure of herself and her sexuality, and she's also, like, super nerdy. Like, I think there's a scene where she's, like, making, like, Xena warrior princess fan fiction or something. Um, and she's really into this other girl at her school who's also super nerdy and, like, wears the Lord of the Rings cape to prom and all that stuff. So, yeah, so each parent-child pairing has their own mini-conflict, and they all get their own resolution. Like, Leslie Mann realizes I need to let my daughter make her own decisions. Uh, John Cena realizes, like, I've raised a very, like, strong and confident daughter, and I need to, again, (laughs) let her make her own decisions. Um, And then the Ike Barinholtz character just kind of, like, learns to, like, be there for his kid. And it's, yeah, it's a fun movie.
2: <laughs> I
0: don't even know. Wait, 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 you guys, you get, Wait, this is like the best lighting with the Valencia. Oh filter. god! So all right, wait, wait, uh... we got... <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's enough. one more. Very good. <laughs> oh my god, we need to get this party started. Oh, okay, Jolie, huh? I got you something. It's coconut oil for lube. I hear it works just as well, and it makes blowjobs taste like almond joys. <sighs> Thank God it doesn't taste like mounds. I'd rather eat 10 dicks than one mound. <laughs> but thank you. It's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited. Me too. You oh have to god. text me like right away. Oh my god, we're gonna be doing it at the same time. <gasps> oh my god. We have to talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, gonna yeah be
1: every day. So you guys. You want <laughs> <me>. you guys. <laughs> I want in on this sex pact. Are you what? sure? You don't have to do this just because we are. No, that's not why. I want to have sex. Yeah. That's something all three of us have in common.
2: Blockers?
0: Yeah, I was going to transition to blockers. I'm trying to remember what I was going to say.
2: Speaking of cock blocking, (laughs) there's a lot of that in blocking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this... Oh, so uh, the director of blockers is Kate Cannon, who I'm pretty sure did a lot of the... I think she wrote the Pitch Perfect films. Let me see what she did. She produced... Her first produced feature screenplay was Pitch Perfect and then she wrote and co-produced Pitch Perfect 2 and 3 and she'd written on 30 Rock and like I think she yeah she co-produced Baby Mama so she was like very involved in kind of like you know like the like rising like female comedy of like the early mid 2000s with like Tina Fey and then like I feel like both Bridesmaids and Pitch Perfect were kind of turning points in like female-led comedies where like we're letting women be disgusting you know we're letting Maya Rudolph like take a shit in the middle of the street in a wedding dress and we're laughing at that and that's okay like we're letting women do more gross out or more like with the character of Fat Amy and Pitch Perfect more like physical comedy which mm-hmm. usually is something that we reserve only for men um, yeah. and I think that with like blockers and the teen sex comedy that's something that's happening as well
2: yeah it's, it's just, I don't know, I guess my thing is, I just think it's so weird that it's, that is just now starting to be pioneered and, like, allowed to happen in the 2000s. <laughs> it's such a when weird... When women have
0: been, like both disgusting and funny for like all of history yeah, yeah well
2: i mean like you think of like you think of like lucille ball because she had right. such huge physical comedy chops and yeah. they still were like you can't be gross though that's for boys yeah <laughs> and then we just kept that going for 50 years that's insane
0: yeah no it's crazy and it is it does kind of feel like there's like a dissonance between like what's actually happening and i think again like Nowadays, like, with the internet and with, like, the rise of, like, things like YouTube and, like, TikTok comedy, like, women are, quote-unquote, allowed to do more grosser or unusual things just because you don't have to get a studio to approve you to do it as much anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But... Hollywood wise studio wise it's still relatively new which is sad but yeah I think people
2: don't realize and I would like just everyone to know this I don't (laughs) think people don't realize that Hollywood is deeply um Republican (laughs) from like it's a very conservative mindset it's such a it's such a deeply like socially conservative town and that the people who are really the ones pulling the strings in LA are old people who are like, What's so? a trans? What? Like, they, they have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea what's going on. So, I always think it's so funny when I will read like crazy right wing people on Twitter being like, Hollywood is the devil's asshole. Because it's just, I'm like, You have so much in common with this these like with the studio heads who
0: are greenlighting super
2: these films. yeah these yeah. super <laughs> corporate capitalistic executives that are like oh, what if we remade this? you know like they have they have no idea what's going on
0: <laughs> yeah so kind of on the subject of well how do you do like loser gross out t- teen sex comedy when you have female leads i think that also like you also have the problem of like consent because that becomes a much bigger issue which i think is why i think that it was actually smart of blockers to have the parents be so involved because girls just kind of aren't allowed to be as carefree as boys are you know what i mean like Even if your parents You know the very
2: sad thing about that movie is I don't think it would have gotten made if it was just the three female leads. I think that they have to pitch it as the parents being involved.
0: No, that's actually so my fun facts about the movie. So there was this interview with the cut. The director Kay Cannon talked about how originally the screenplay was called Cherries. (laughs) And it's about three dads who are trying to keep their daughters from having sex and this is a script written by two Ew. men right <laughs> like i'm so glad they did not make that movie and it was cake like k Cannon, when she came on she was like i think we need to develop the girls more and we need to like yeah like she was kind of there like but make it a feminist and then she was like well actually if it's gonna be a feminist and be a better movie let's not make it about three dads trying to yeah, prevent their daughters from having their cherries popped <laughs> like, let's not <laughs> <Yeah>. do that
2: <laughs> oh my god and it was called cherry cherries so insane isn't
0: that insane yeah that's what this movie started as and then i think also later on in development they were like okay let's have it be two dads and a mom and then later on they were like i think one of the daughters should be gay i think that that would make for a potentially more interesting story so none of that was in the original like script or pitch or anything and it was what you're saying like it was pitched as three dads it wasn't the that's girls because I, mean, I was like all.
2: i cannot imagine this movie getting pitched as just like three high school girls well i Maybe originally, now like it, the only way they were able to pitch Booksmart was saying super bad but for girls like that's obviously yeah. what they did
0: and also if feminism wasn't like like corporate feminism wasn't popular right now it like would not have gotten made either
2: <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah exactly if there wasn't like a if They couldn't be like, we have a cool, sexy, like, feminist female right. director who's going to do it, too. Yeah. Like, this
0: is, like, the rare time where, like, uh, capitalism again, is working in feminism's favor.
2: Yeah. People need to realize that Hollywood is filled with, like, old-ass Republicans. It's just about I don't money. don't understand why people think that... <laughs> I don't understand why people think that Hollywood is, like, the forefront of the SJW movement. It is not.
0: No. It's just about money. And Olivia Wilde right now is really marketable. So we yeah. get to have fun feminist movies. Well, but we're not talking about book smart. So we have to stop. Anyway, Blockers, which I would argue has a much tighter storyline and I think I would say feels like it's a little bit more satisfying of a story in the way Superbad does because I think it's I don't know. I just think the I think the storylines are a little cleaner.
2: But Yeah, I think each each arc is well set well up, done. and there's a good payoff, which is impressive because for they six have so many. They have six to, leads essentially, and they each each character has to have like their a own different thing. emotional goal. Yeah, so the fact that they were able to balance like six distinct emotional goals at the same time is pretty cool
0: it's really impressive that they were able to do all of that within a movie that i don't feel like you know some movies feel just like really bloated and long i don't feel like blockers feels like it's super bloated like it feels like it's an appropriate amount of time
2: i also think that the thing that works well about blockers is which probably thank god for the director because it does not sound like this was going to be a thing before (laughs) but like it's 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 one of those movies that like i again kind of like super bad like it's very aware of the genre that it is And it makes choices to comment on it and be self-aware about it rather than, like, leaning into it. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of moments in Blockers where they'll be like, that's kind of fucked up that you're doing this, though. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. Where, I, I mean, that's not really, like, a thing that would normally exist unless a competent director was, like, making the movie.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, the movie does kind of deal with, like, we were talking earlier about the dissonance between, like, high school as represented by teen media and high school as it is in reality and I think too like to have characters like John Cena who's like he his his big problem is like kind of essentially toxic masculinity like he he's a very emotional man and also looks like John Cena so he has this like he's not he feels really uncomfortable with his emotions and he feels a little bit overprotective of his daughter in kind of a misogynist way but you do have his wife his, his wife the character of his wife who's like you know that that's like messed up right like like
2: right, you know exactly. that
0: that's not okay and and it's like so it's kind and of having a way... Leslie
2: Mann be such a big character for oh her to yeah be, like to balance what could be a very like creepy yes possessive like movie about dads like needing to protect their yes. daughters is also was a really smart choice
0: yeah and I think Leslie Mann too like I think her character does a really good job of being like like, she's not, like, an unfeminist character or anything. Like, she wants her daughter to have all the opportunities possible, but she just had, you know, a bad experience because she grew up at another time, and she, like, knows the kinds of pressures that are on, like, women and young You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like her motivations are, like, unfeminist. It feels like, like she just, yeah, is overprotective.
2: I also think that, speaking of what we were talking about at the beginning of all this... Um I think that blockers does well, which is smart, is that they sort of do th- most of the like storytelling is really on the backs of the parents. Yes. Which I think is smart for adult writers to do give them because that's their because, window
0: into the teen world is being right parents.
2: it's the you can you can even like lean into being like we don't understand what kids are doing these what are days? emojis like, yeah yeah like that's part of the comedy of them like trying to figure out what high schoolers are doing nowadays yeah and that comes across so much better than all of the terrible movies that are being made right now that just like don't do the research of trying to learn what high schoolers are going through right yeah. now and like what a practical like use of social media and technology for high school yeah oh my god for a high schooler looks like right now yeah yeah Um, no i think that was also like a very smart choice to be like our window into this world is going to be these dorky parents who don't know what's happening and like part of the joke is going to be that we also don't understand
0: (laughs) (laughs) what kids are like these days which i do think is in some ways kind of a timeless theme like the, ge- the previous generation never understands what's up with kids these days. You know what I mean? So, I feel like that can fit a little more cleanly. God
2: knows I don't.
0: <laughs> God knows I don't know what Zoomers do. <laughs> but, like, I feel like it can fit a little bit more cleanly into this kind of, like... Because teen sex comedies, I think, are kind of supposed to be, like, nostalgic and timeless. And they're not supposed to fit as cleanly into an era. But with technology and social media and how quickly all of that's changing, I feel like that presents a really kind of unique problem of like how do we include technology and social media knowing that in 10 years this will be obsolete and it's going to date our movie when this movie is supposed to feel like something everyone can relate to so i do agree with you that having the parents like interpreting that is a much better because that is kind of a universal feeling but
2: i mean i was even thinking that when i was watching super bad is something we were saying was like if kids watched this, would they still, like, connect with the movie? Because so yes. much of the practical problems that they face are just things that no child who has grown up with Like, just get an Uber. You know what into. I mean? So, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. get an Uber, look up the party, go on, like, Snapchat. Like, there's so many things where I'm like, this this kind of a movie could never be made again for multiple reasons but like that's one of the big ones and i'm like do kids still connect with this like pre-technology flip phone world
0: yeah (laughs) where if you like your car gets towed or you don't have a ride like you're stranded like wow what a foreign concept
2: (laughs) yeah and you have to take the butt like you have to to get alcohol you have to like meet random people in a parking lot. Life just seems so inconvenient, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Dad? Where is he?
0: What are you doing here?
1: Chad? Hey, Chad, you motherfucker.
0: Oh my god, are you kidding me?
1: Did he make you do something you don't want to do? Because I don't care if he's the fucking coolest kid in school. I'm going to shove his fedora so far up his ass, it'll be a hat. No. Dad, We didn't do it, all right? And even if we did, it would be none of your business. It's just I was worried about you. Well, that's a first. I deserve that. Sam, I got to tell you something, and I'm just going to say it. <sighs> Sam, I have realized over the last few years that I have made a big mistake in my life. What, like cheating on my mom? Well, no, marrying your mom. But no, that that wasn't a mistake because then I wouldn't have had you at... I've made lots of mistakes, but the, the big mistake is that I let what happened between your mom and I get in the way of our relationship. I'm sorry. And I hope that we can start over and build up our relationship again because you're my only kid. And I'm your only dad. Well, Frank is... Fuck Frank. (laughs) Frank's fine. Dad, can I tell you something now? Yes, 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 anything. I'm a lesbian. What does your mom think? She doesn't know. You told me before you told your mom? Yeah. That's big news. She doesn't know. You didn't tell Frank. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay, over. Crack is over. What do your girlfriends think? No, I'm too nervous. I can't tell them. You're nervous to tell Kayla and Julie? It's just... I don't want to lose my two best friends. This is the stuff you tell the people you care about. You think they're not gonna support you because you're gay? They would support you if you were a vampire. They would support you more all the Twilight shit. (laughs) Do we still like Twilight? Definitely not. No, no. no. (laughs) Oh, God. Thanks for showing up. Really, but you should probably leave. Because it's insane that you even came here in the first place.
2: Are um, we going to get into, like, the gay stuff in Blockers?
0: Yeah, we probably should finally talk about gay people since supposedly that's what this <laughs> podcast is about. <laughs> Although it's kind of flipped to just being talking about whatever I want to, but yeah. That's so fine. What I like about the the, like, gay storyline is I feel like it makes sense both with her and her dad. Like, it fulfills it fulfills their like problem throughout the movie like her problem is like I'm scared that if I'm different than my friends that like it will drive us apart and we're probably going to be driven apart because of college anyway but I just am scared about you know losing them before I'm ready and he gets to tell her like no it's okay and then his whole thing is like oh I realize I've been a real shitty parent and like what do I do? How do I show up for my kid? And he like kind of gets away to like show up for his kid and be a good dad. So I liked it's that. It's really it,
2: sweet. Yeah. A like, really sweet moment.
0: Their coming out scene is so cute and like it makes me emotional and yeah, I just. You know
2: what I love about that scene? Tell Speaking me. Speaking of, because we talk all about, all the time about how we hate the traditional like sort of like straight media perception of what coming out is yes we're coming out has to be this like big has to be this big moment like and a like, debut to, like, rehearse it in your head it's a debut it's a performance and like it's it means so much <laughs> and it's such a like stupid way of looking at coming out because that's like the day-to-day of being a gay person is like you have to come out to like if you if something goes very wrong like you have to come out to like people on the street or like if you something goes very wrong you know what I mean? But, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I have to come out to everyone in a conversation, I meet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, like, a random person at the grocery store, and you accidentally say, like, my boyfriend. Like, that's a coming out. You know, right. it's such a. It's so different from this, like, love Simon, meet me on the Ferris wheel kind of thing.
0: <laughs> I come out to everyone all at once, and I will never come out again. And it's like, I mean, not really. Yeah. Like, realistically, also, like, it if has you, to be
2: a big deal.
0: Yeah. Like, if you potentially pass straight, and e- honestly, even if you don't, like, you're going to be coming out to people for the rest of your life. Like, welcome to an annoying conversation that you're going to have forever.
2: <laughs> right. But all of that is to say, I thought it was very, very nice how their coming out was so, like, it was, like, a nice casual conversation where she was just like, this is a meaningful thing about me that I want to tell you. And the fact that he knew about it before she even came out made it so much, like, I was like, that's such a nice touch. Yes. Because a coming out isn't necessarily about, like... Finding out the truth, pull your mask off. It's not like yeah, it's not a big reveal. A, a <laughs> rainbow wig underneath. Yeah, like it's not, <laughs> not- like a reveal. <laughs> I hate, I hate this. I hate, fucking hate that. Trope. That trope. But like, I love the idea that like he already knew about it, and to the the significance of the coming out and their relationship was her like taking the time to be vulnerable with him and like let him in on a little piece of her life yeah and it wasn't even about like the reveal of it yeah i thought that was really sweet and a nice thing to like put in a movie that we don't normally get to see
0: and i like that when they talk and he's like have you told your friends and she's like no and he's like oh why not and she's like i don't know i'm just like nervous to be like different from them or whatever and he's like he tells her to come out to them, but not because he's like, you have to, or it's important for everyone to you're embrace the real them. you. This is,
2: lo- yeah. this is love, Simon, and hiding the tr- the truth about your There's sexuality no punishment. from people is enough of a reason for them to punish you by not wanting yes. to your life for two months. Like,
0: I feel like normally in movies, when coming out is involved, it's always this idea that, like, by not telling everyone you're gay all the time, you've somehow, like, hurt them or lied to them and it's like or your well,
2: friendship doesn't mean anything
0: yeah and it's like it's not about you but so I, I liked that when he tells her like you should come out to them because he's like that's just something you tell people you care about and I was like oh that's like the real reason why people come out to people It's like it comes up and also like yeah that's you share details about yourself with people you're close to and that's a detail that is okay to share with people and that's fine but it wasn't like a
2: you need to do this. Yeah,
0: like,
2: you're lying to them. Yeah, and, and I, also like uh, he, he, I think he also had a nice moment of just being like, "They're your friends. They're not gonna care about this, and if they do care, they're bad. Then they're people. not good." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I think that also is important to be like, like your fears are valid, and that's completely fine, and I that's completely understandable. But yeah. At the same time, like they are your friends and if they are the supportive people that you want to keep in your life, but you feel like you can't like show them this part of you then clearly like they're not the people who are meant to be in your life. If that's the case.
0: I also think it's like a good way of kind of getting at like, like this is something we've talked about too, not on this podcast, just in general, like about stories that have characters that aren't out, but that don't understand why a person wouldn't be out. Like, I feel like this movie doesn't... Like, straight
2: people not understanding why people stay in the closet.
0: Right. Like, I feel like this movie does a good job of showing that, like, honestly, it's not because of, like, the deepest, most rooted of shame. It's just kind of, like... And I think that's the real, like, it's a very real experience, I think, for a lot of, like, gay women, especially if you're, like, more straight passing and stuff like that. Like, Like, with compulsory heterosexuality and stuff, like, people just kind of assume... That you're straight and, like, everyone kind of projects that onto you. And also, like, it does feel like, well, can I still participate in, like, homosocial female bonding rituals? Like, girls night and movie night and, like, because so much of, like, homosocial female bonding rituals are, like, let's watch straight rom-coms and talk about boys. And, like, that fear of, like, can I still participate in that? Will I still be accepted if I don't talk about boys? Like, I think that it's a very, like... I think it's a very real portrayal of like oh I understand why this girl feels you know a little anxious about coming out it's not the biggest thing in her life it's not the biggest hurdle it's just something that she's like I don't know you know
2: yeah it's I think that what blockers does a really good job about with that because I do normally get annoyed like I mean I i ranted for several hours to multiple (laughs) people about (laughs) love Simon and how it bothered me just because like I think it is is—it is a very common and true experience that a lot of gay people don't really know why they're in the closet. Yeah. But I think that, like, Love, Simon took that and ran with it of being like, we don't have to think of reasons why they would feel that way because they don't know. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's cheating. Like, because there, there's always... <laughs> well, that's cheating. <laughs> there's always... Because uh, even always if you don't know the reason, there why. is a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like in the conversation that in blockers that happens is like, he sort of like is illuminating to her. Like, well maybe like, like let's talk about it. Like here yeah. are some of it. Let's talk about your fears. Let's talk about like, let's get to the specifics of, why you feel the way you do because that is the truth is that it is a combination of things like it's never just one thing that's keeping you in the closet like it's a bunch of different pressures all happening at the same time it's a bunch of like memories and experiences that you've seen like all pulling together it's like a mixture of shame and fear and like change of identity that's scary it's a mixture of like not showing how not sure how it's going to affect your relationships it's so many things at once and it is totally valid that like even if you didn't grow up in like the bible belt where people were like like, if you fought, they found out you were gay... Or you'll were, like, literally
0: be kicked out of your church and school and yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> or,
2: like, tie you to, a, like, a pier and... An attempt an or exorcism. Something. Like, something yeah. <laughs> fucking insane. Yeah. Like, I, I, there's... You can still have a very complex, like, feeling of fear and shame when it comes to coming out. And I think that, like, Blockers does that in a very subtle way, which is nice. Because they get into the reasoning behind it. They get into the fears. You totally understand... Why she feels the way she does, even if they don't get into like all the hardcore specifics of her, yeah, of her experience and the way that, like, and they do that in two minutes. They do it in such Love a Simon, short scene, and Love yeah, Simon couldn't do it, do it in, in s-
0: like 90 over 90 minutes.
2: Love Simon has a full feature length movie to like dive into all the nuances and like fear and shame, that and comes he's the sole lead. Gay. And they and in Blockers, they managed to pull that off in like. 1 100th of the time. And yeah. it's it's so much more of an emotional payoff at least for me.
0: Yeah. No, for me the coming out scene in Blockers, I don't know if it's cuz I do know. I mean, I should on love Simon all the time, but I do know people who like for them they're like I like really like that movie and felt really seen by it. And like I mean, yeah, like people relate to different things, but I do think just like from like a like narrative perspective or like
2: right, like more of like, more like a percent.
0: screenplay <laughs> perspective like I I feel like the blockers one feels more satisfying. The coming out scene and the, like, uh, stuff that comes after feels a lot more satisfying than Love, Simon because Love, Simon, the coming out scene is just bizarre because, like, you don't understand why he is nervous to come out to i don't know i just i
2: feel like it doesn't you don't get to a lot of the emotional core like the things that draw you into characters and makes you root for them are their fears and insecurities because that's what you can latch onto. Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people like about to psychoanalyze i think a lot of people related to love simon or liked love simon because they were able to project their own fear and shame onto him yeah but that's not the same as like feeling i in my opinion that's not the same as, like, being seen by a movie. That's you using a movie in a blank slate of a character, like, to project onto and work through your own shit, which is good. Or, like, and being also, like, able
0: to take, like, the setup of, like, oh, I've been in that living room with my parents where they don't know what I'm about to say, and I have to tell them I'm gay, and I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, that's more of, like, a scene that people can relate to, but it's not something that the Love, Simon story is doing, actually
2: yeah I think that I think that it's a, g- a great thing that people a- did feel seen by love Simon. I just think that a lot of it is your experience of like those triggers and scenes and emotions that you felt going through the same thing, and it was nice to see that on screen. I think it was less of like the movie doing um that. competently creating a narrative that like you know, like, setting up this emotional conflict and, like, digging into the nuances of why he feels the way he does and, like, what specifically he's afraid of and, like, the images of what brings him shame. Like, they don't get into any of that. No. And I feel like it's sort of – a. don't like the way that the movie frames it because it does kind of feel like a sidestep of, like, well, some people don't have traumatic coming out stories, and that's fine. It's like, It's like, that's true, and yes – but yeah that is completely true but like there's always a reason why people feel the way that they do and if you don't show us that in a character i'm gonna have a hard time like rooting for him or like understanding why why is he scared like i I don't understand the, also, I don't understand why it would be a great emotional payoff for him to come out on the Ferris wheel because he doesn't seem like a very performative person in his yeah. personal life. Although so, like, he is in theater, which is
0: weird as well. Like, him being but involved in theater, in theater makes no sense.
2: He's been, he's in theater, like, ironically, like, as a joke. Because <laughs> he's way cooler I, than
0: the theater kids, which is established which multiple times.
2: again, makes me like, I'm like, oh, you're annoying. Again, like, it's just not a well set up movie. And yeah. That, like... This very public coming out story. He never in the movie is like, I want a John Hughes like romance, but for me, because I'm gay. He never is like that. You know, he's always just like, I want a boyfriend and I'm really scared about coming out, but I'm also horny for boys. Yeah. Anyway, we went down another fucking love (laughs) tangent.
0: But... Going back to Blockers, I do think that, yeah, that they essentially get at the insecurities of coming out, especially coming out when you're in high school. I just, I
2: think for the last time, I just want to say, I think it's very impressive what Blockers was able to do with a queer character who had maybe 10 minutes of screen time. Yeah, we're really expanding on this. Like
0: she had a whole movie, but she was again, one of six leads. So she has like maybe like a couple minutes of screen time alone. And, like, 10 minutes of screen time total. So, yeah.
2: (laughs) And, like, to get into the, like, the nuances and, like, the uncomfortable areas of what it feels like to be closeted as a high schooler who, like, doesn't, who's, you know, like, confused and doesn't know if she's ready to come out while not having, like, the insane social pressure of, like, typical coming out movie, Yeah. Like, it's it does it so much better, I think, in 10 minutes than Love, Simon does with its entire feature length. Yeah. time.
0: And we're comparing it mostly and to Love, cool. Simon because that's one of the only other movies where someone has to come out in high school that... that's popular.
2: <laughs> and that's the, the real villain isn't Love, Simon, as I have to remind myself. <laughs> it's the, the Republican fucking Hollywood people.
0: Yeah. The real villain is that we don't have so many movies that no one cares about Love, Simon because there are so many gay movies out there.
2: I to, what I keep coming back to is I think that the key ingredient for both of these movies of, like, making a good screenplay on paper while also, like, fitting in that genre is ye- both Blockers and Superbad. They're both very smart in the way that they comment on the Yeah, movie. Like, 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 nod the to the genre. Yeah, I think they're both. Very, I think to I th- I just think to, to do a teen sex comedy, at least now, like in current day, and moving forward, you just have to be very self aware, um, but of the not genre. to the
0: point where like something that I think that a movie like How to Be Single I think really fails at is like so that's a rom com, but it's so it knows that everyone knows all the rom com tropes. So instead of, like, nodding to them in an interesting way, it just, like, is, like, we're just going to subvert everything. And I feel like it forgets why the tropes matter in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, and that's how you get, like, bad parody, like, scary movie one through seven. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, well, this isn't actually saying anything. It's not actually interesting. It's just, like, you doing things we've seen
2: before, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's striking the balance between understanding what genre you're in and also making like characters have real decisions to make, like in treating them like they're real people. Yeah. So like that's the thing that both blockers and um, Superbad do well is like you un- they subvert. They choose what moments they want to, like, subvert the tropes. And I think in Superbad particularly, it works very well. I think it's about, like, picking and choosing the moments that you want to subvert the tropes while still, like, treating the genre with some level of respect.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to understand why it was popular in the first place and what works about it in order to subvert it well.
2: If you're doing it in a smarmy way where, like... Yeah. You're subverting tropes for the sake of subverting subverting for the sake tropes, of like being edgy.
0: Is, then I just don't like you, you know. <laughs>
2: yeah, which is like, uh, it's a problem I have with movies like Booksmart, where like I, you're subverting tropes for the sake of just doing it, but it doesn't really like fit any story beats, and it doesn't really like inform anything about the characters. Yeah. Um, and so that I don't love, and but I think that other movies like Edge of Seventeen pick and choose the moments. Wait, to do you've that seen really Edge well. of Seventeen? Yeah. with Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, we've talked about this.
0: We did. I love that movie.
2: It's so good. I want to rewatch it. I, I mean, think Blockers does a good. The thing that's also, ugh, I hate being like Blockers is so smart, but it is very <laughs> smart in the way that like, I think it's it was smart of them to, in a way, have both of like the the like typical female perspective and the typical male male perspective by having the parents and the kids so like you get both sides of the the parents can kind
0: of represent old school teen sex comedy and it clashing with a potentially more contemporary take which i think is good
2: yeah and it's like it it's it's a good movie to like show how outdated the thinking of the past is and how much better it will be if we let like women be sexual and like make their own decisions and not be sex objects but be like active agents in their own lives yeah
0: and I think I guess like because yeah like you said like I don't want to say bloggers is like such a good movie like I'm not saying it's like the best movie to ever exist I'm just saying like within the genre that it exists they had a really tough job of a yeah. first of all flipping the script from cherries about three dads and their high school daughters to what it ended up becoming and also of working within this genre that is so like loaded against women against queer people against anyone who doesn't fit a very tradition like traditionally masculine like they just they had a really yeah, tough this job genre to
2: do is- yeah, I think we don't, We something that we haven't really said is that this genre is incredibly hostile to anybody who's like outside the cis white character type.
0: And also we haven't talked much about and class isn't a and I don't play. know that we have time to, but also like class, like being suburban and middle class, which is something that blockers doesn't so much subvert. They're still, they still keep the kind of class dynamic going, but that's also yeah, part I mean, of this I as well. I think
2: that, I think that the parts and it's again, like I think that. To be successful, you have to, like, pick and choose the moment where you subvert tropes. And I think that blockers doesn't do that when it comes to class. Like, it's still very, like, white, you know, cookie-cutter, suburban. Like, that's never a conversation they have. I also don't really think that the as as cool as their parts are, and I guess we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the girls never really get to be, like, messy and stupid. No. Um, They're very put together. They never... They're very – which is kind of a frustrating in a way that, like, they feel like they're adults. Yeah. I, I wish there were more moments where they got to be, like, messy and gross and stupid in the same way that characters in Superbad get to That be. men
0: are allowed to be, yeah. Or boys, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of – they definitely I've, picked and chose their battles um,
2: in order to get right, this movie which made. is smart. And at the end of the day, like, they have this movie that is able to walk this very thin line very Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. I just wish that in the, I think in the future, what I'm going to be looking for in, like, teen sex comedies is allowing female characters to still make mistakes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the impulse there is to be like, so these characters are all just Mary Sue's, which I hate the term Mary Sue. So these characters are all just Mary Sue's and they're not real and this is why feminism is wrong. But like, I don't think it's a problem of feminism so much as it is a problem of like, like.
2: Capitalism.
0: <laughs> capitalism and also kind of still like sexism, you know? Like like yeah. this idea that like, women can't be super messy. I don't think that that's like a particularly feminist idea. I think that that's more of like a like people like the whole like I mean, people are still having the debate of like are women actually funny and it's like oh my god, like doing physical comedy or like gross out comedy as a woman is like people are people are just weird about that. You know what I mean? And, and that's and a sexist lot- thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, which is immediately evident by the fact that people are a lot less likely to, like, laugh. You know, your audience has to give you permission to, like, laugh at those kinds of things. And there's just so many, like, sexist guys who will not laugh at a woman doing gross-out comedy. I mean, Amy Schumer is a perfect example of, like... I think Amy Schumer is so funny. (laughs) When she talks about gross things on stage, people are, like fuck you, you're disgusting. Yeah, literally, they <laughs> say that. It's such a different... And even women do that to her, yeah. to be fair. Like, it's such a different It's response. mostly men, but
0: it's some women, yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily, like, blame the, like, writers of blockers or the people behind the creation of it for not engaging for not more with fixing that. fixing
2: sexism. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, like, not their job to fully fix sexism in one stupid movie. <sighs> okay, so this is the end of our two-part exploration of the teen sex comedy um the sources are pretty much the same as last time with the addition of teen dreams reading teen film and television from heathers to veronica mars by Roz kaffney um which is super interesting book and um next time the episode (laughs) still tbd the topic it might be on monster movies because I really want to rewatch The Shape of Water, Um, but it might not be because I haven't decided yet.